Good morning. We're on this series of Journey in Truth, and the last two weeks and this week, I'm going to talk about the Holy Spirit. Again, let me reiterate that most of us were raised to believe, and I've been mentioning the Holy Spirit, but most of us were raised to believe about the Godhead in certain ways. It kind of breaks down like this. If you were raised in what I would say is a very formal institutional, traditional church, you knew a lot about God the Father. If you were kind of in the evangelical church vein, you knew a lot about Jesus Christ. And if you're in the Pentecostal vein, you knew a lot about the Holy Spirit. Now, the problem is that all of those are wrong (laughs) because what is right is for us to know the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. But a lot of people were neglected in the teaching of the Holy Spirit. I was one of those, and so I guess you can say I'm trying to make up lost time uh, because I want to know what his involvement is because he is the third person of the Trinity, and he is the one that Jesus said. He said, I'm going so he can come, and it's better for me to go so he can come because that's how God's eternal plan is going to work out. I want that worked out in my life. And so when we talk about the Holy Spirit and the truth about the Holy Spirit, we're going to look at some scripture because Jesus, as we've said previously, on the very night before he is going to be arrested and then crucified, he talks to his disciples about the third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit, and what he is going to be doing in the lives of those who are here and to understand That that being the case, he has come because the day of Pentecost was the day recorded in the scripture, Acts chapter 2, when the Holy Spirit came and began his work not only with us, but in us. Exactly. And that's why Jesus said, it's better for you for me to go so he can come because he won't be just with you, but he will be in you. Now. Jesus says this, again, part of that message to his disciples there in the upper room in John 13, 14, 15, 16. I have much to say to you, more than you can now bear. Isn't it amazing how God who made us knows us? And he knows there are certain things about our lives that sometimes we we just aren't ready to get it all. But when he the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. So none of us are left to ourselves to figure all this out. God in his eternal plan planned it so that the third person, the Holy Spirit, he would come, the spirit of truth, and he would open all this up to us so we could live the life that God designed and desires for us to have as his kids here on planet earth. So we we beat around some terminology this week. When I say we, I asked Chris to help me out because he's really good with all that stuff. And trying to figure a phrase, trying to get a phrase that everybody could capture. So here's what we settled on. I'm not saying it's the only one because it certainly isn't. But... What is the litmus test? 
Let me give you a definition. The noun of a litmus test is a standard by which something is evaluated or measured. The adjective, when it's used as an adjective, having great influence on the result of something. So, the question that I was asking, what is the litmus test of the work of the Holy Spirit in my life and your life? In other words, where does it ultimately go? What is the end goal is maybe another way of saying it. But what is the litmus test? What really gives it purpose and meaning as he accomplishes in all of our lives everything that God has for us? Because he is what? He is our guide into all truth. So here's what something. Please get this. I'm not sure what all you're going to get today. I hope you get this. None of us, as I said previously, are left to ourselves to figure all this out. The Holy Spirit, who is the spirit of truth, is our guide into all truth. Now, we're living in a world where truth seems to be less and less of a commodity. But in that world, chosen by us for this time in history, we are God's instruments to not only proclaim his truth but to live his truth out now look how this goes forward he will not speak of his own so what is he doing the holy spirit remember they're in they're in cahoots god the father god the son god the holy spirit he will not speak of his own he will speak only what he hears because the godhead is talking and he's communicating to us what is happening in those conversations of the godhead and he will tell you what is yet to come what's coming now We're living, as I said, in this world, and there's a lot of stuff going on, a lot of junk, a lot of mess. Let me be very candid with you. This past week has been an extremely difficult week for me personally because I've been asked to be involved, actually the last month, I've been asked to be involved in families where there has been incredible tragedy, difficulty beyond almost beyond well it is beyond belief it really is and so as I'm going through this with these families as I've been called in to help counsel and minister and serve them I want to make sure that anything I say to them and I I would love to tell you I get it right all the time but I haven't most of the time it's pretty good but he will tell us what is yet to come so As I'm looking this past week, this past month, with the involvement that I've had with families in the community, how can I, as a servant of Christ, minister grace to them? And here's the, it's only through his help. There's no other way. He knows what's coming down the pike. He knows what we are supposed to do as we encounter the difficulties and trials of life. But the litmus test is right here in this verse in John 16 where it says, He will glorify me. Take your life, any one of us. Take it for its daily routines, its daily opportunities. And ask yourself this question. This is the litmus test. Does my life glorify my Christ? 
Because when the Holy Spirit is in our lives, filling us as he desires to do, and another word in the Greek for filling is controlling, as he, as we surrender and submit to his guidance, his leadership, his counsel, his enabling, his empowering, as we do those things, we're able to see that my life, your life, every one of us, and see, this is not just somebody standing on a platform on a Sunday morning. This is our life every day. In fact, what I'm going to do is I'm going to take a very specific area of life in just a moment with another scripture and show you how this works out. But do we glorify Christ? Do we, again, only with the help and work of the Holy Spirit in us, truly bring glory to our Christ? Not because everything for us is rosy and wonderful and perfect, But because we are so surrendered and submitted to him that he's able to accomplish in us all the Father desires. Because it is from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. Jesus says the Godhead is in this process of communicating everything to every one of the children of God. The things of the Godhead. But it comes to us through the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit uses, obviously, the word of God that he inspired, inspired to be written as we read it and study it. How, do we, how can we know that? How can we get that? Well, it's real simple. Remember that he inspired the writing of the book. And so when you're reading it and studying it, ask him to help you to know it and understand it. And then to enable you to apply it. Because in our own strength, we will not get it done. It is that's just a fact, okay? So, that being said, all this, he says, belongs to the Father, is mine. And this I, excuse me, this is, that is why I said the Spirit will receive from me what he will make known to you. So, let's, let's go down a very specific path. And see what he is making known to us. Shall we? If you have your Bibles or your phones or whatever. Turn to 1 Peter chapter 3. One of the areas that we are. And when I say we I'm talking about leadership. I'm talking about all of us here who are in ministry. And any of you who are involved in ministry. One of the areas we're seeing more and more difficulty. More and more trial. Because life is coming so very quickly now is in the area of marriage and family. It's just it's coming at us, and it's coming at us at a very rapid pace. So with the Holy Spirit's help, let's take this scripture in 1 Peter chapter 3 and look at something specific in regards to family and see if we can't see that this is how God is wanting to work these things out, and he's allowing the Holy Spirit to work in us so that it can be accomplished. Verse 1, chapter 3, 1 Peter. In the same way, now remember this is continuation, so I, I realize I'm jumping in the middle of it. But in the same way, you wise be submissive to your own husbands so that even, excuse me, yeah, even if any of them are disobedient to the word, they will be one without a word by the behavior of their wives. You're sitting here and you're female and say, well, that just don't seem right. Why is he getting off? He's a jerk, you know. Well, first of all, husbands, don't be a jerk. That's not what we're talking about. 
but it's saying that God has established an order, and if that order is honored properly and biblically through the work and help and grace of the Holy Spirit, you'll be amazed at how life can be so different in a very much better way. Because I want to go on down to verse 7. You husbands, yeah, that's us guys, and I, and I get some of you, not everybody here is married, but I wanted, I wanted to use this because, it's, uh, again, maybe it's because we're just having to deal with it so much in our world. When I say our world, I'm talking about our church family and our community. You husbands, likewise, live with your wives in an understanding way. You know why we guys have to live with our wives in an understanding way? It's because they need us to understand them. Now, let me tell you this. Without the help of the Holy Spirit, you won't. (laughs) I'm speaking from experience, okay? I love my wife. We have an incredible marriage. But she is still of a different gender. I've worked hard to figure all that out. I know some things that I didn't used to know, but I don't know it all, and I'm still learning. So, wives, submit to your husbands. That's going to help him. Husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way. As with the weaker vessel, you're thinking, yeah, she might be weaker in one way, but doggone, that woman got the power, you know. She give me a hard time. (laughs) Oh, I remember a guy we were visiting and somehow his wife got brought up and he, and he just, he just lowers his head and goes, oh yeah, oh yeah, she's tough, she's tough. <laughs> what is that? And, and she was such a, you know, frail little, apparently innocent looking person to me. But anyway, uh, apparently she was tough. Since she is the woman, and grant her honor as a fellow heir of the grace of life, so that your prayers may not be hindered. Now, that's what led me to this this week. I was teaching a class on prayer, and I was utilizing this verse, and the person that was taking the class was like, they never knew that was in the Scripture. Have you ever noticed that Sometimes husbands and wives, as they're praying, and you're thinking, man, our prayers aren't getting to the ceiling. You know why? Because that's all they're going to. Isn't Isn't it just odd of God that he would expect us as husbands and wives to get along and to do so according to the word of God and according to the empowering of the Holy Spirit. Isn't it odd that God would not only expect that, but he really requires it. He even says, if you're not getting your prayers answered, one of the things you want to examine is what is your relationship with your mate? Years ago, I was in a conference and uh, there was a prayer time at the end. And by the way, at the end of our services every Sunday, you want to come down for prayer. We have people available here to pray with you, pray for you, whatever the case may be, because we all go through times when we need prayer. We, we all go through times when we need help, physically, spiritually, whatever. So we're having this conference. And this family goes up to the speaker. It's a mom and dad, and they have a son who's having severe health issues. And I, I got to tell you, I was just fly on the wall that day. And I hear the request, would you please pray for 
our son, and they enumerated all his health issues. And the speaker looked at both of them and said, no. And, you know, I pray for anybody, everybody, where I can, you know, what's up with him? And this guy, I'm telling you, it was so prophetically tuned in. He said, no, I will not pray for your son. And let me tell you why I will not pray for your son. He said, your house is upside down. He said, dad, you're not the spiritual leader. And mom, you're still trying to run the show. And until you guys get your life where God wants it to be, your son will not get the help and prayer that he needs. You know, we're, we're, we're a little more gentler and kinder around here than that. But it's actually biblical. It's not like we're just making this stuff up. It's not like the speaker was just saying, you know, hey, I don't feel like praying for them today, so I'll just give them a hard time. When we are allowing the Spirit of God who's leading us in all truth to live that truth out. Now, I have to be very careful here because I want you to understand Say, well, wait a minute, so does that mean that if we get it all as we should and we're, we're getting along harmoniously in our marriage that we won't have any difficulty? <laughs> no. <laughs> it's like, really? What's, so what's the point? Well, let me ask you this. Would you rather be fighting something else or fighting God? I won't tell you which one I choose. I'm going to fight something else. If I've got to expend energy and effort and time to battle something, it is not going to be God. Because I'm going to tell you, I have made that mistake over the years. Not realizing. See, one of the areas that talks about in the book of Hebrews of knowing that we are growing up and maturing is when we can tell the difference between good and bad, good and evil. And there are times, for example, let's take the book of Job. Most people are familiar with the story of Job. Who was doing the evil? Well, Satan was, obviously. But he was doing it because he was saying, or excuse me, God was saying, Job will stand the test. Well, what if God chooses you or I, as he has many of us over the years, to be the ones to stand the test to reveal the glory of God. Is it ultimately, is the litmus test always back to, is my life, is my family, everything that I do, my work, whatever it is, is it truly a glory to God? Because if it is not, then we need to go back and re-examine. And this is not for anybody to get in some morbid introspection, introspection where they're, we're just always examining, oh, I'm so terrible, oh, I'm so bad. Oh, that is not it. In fact, for those of us in Christ, it really is the opposite of that if it's done his way. It really is the opposite of that when we are truly allowing the Holy Spirit to work in us. So I want to go on here in Peter's book in chapter 3. After verse 7 comes verse 8. I know that's a shock, but it is. To sum up. After talking about the marriage and the family and all the things that can be there that should be and may not be but ought to be. After talking about all that, here's what he says. To sum up, let all be harmonious. Let us be harmonious with one another. And by the way, where do most of us get in trouble with that? I know where I get in trouble with that. Right here. 
I say something. I'm thinking, really, did I say that? Did that come out of my mouth? Really, as, as, as mature as I'm supposed to be, as, as old as I am now? Is it still? Yeah, sometimes it slips out. Fortunately, Sheila helps me with that. She lets me know that. Ah, that wasn't good. You know, stuff it. Get rid of that one. To sum up, let us all be harmonious, sympathetic, brotherly, kind-hearted, and humble in spirit. I, I could be wrong. Well, let me read the next verse. Not returning evil for evil or insult for insult, but giving a blessing instead, for you were called by the very purpose that you might inherit a blessing. I could be wrong. I hope I'm right on this one. That if every family who's a part of CFM would just take these few verses, and of course you've got some others where we're believing the Holy Spirit, the work of the Holy Spirit, all he does, what he does in us, in us and through us, and apply that scripture in his empowering in our families, life would be so much better. Again, it doesn't mean we're not going to get attacked. It doesn't mean that we're not going to face tragedy and difficulty because we all do. It happens. But how we respond to that makes the difference of how, of how that life is that we live every day. I can't help but keep going back to the apostles after Jesus was resurrected and they were arrested. And those religious leaders, the guys who knew the truth but were not living the truth according to Jesus Christ, looked at those guys, those ragtag fishermen, those guys who were just not the kind of guys that, you know, they would have invited over for a meal. And they looked at them and they said this, these guys have been with Jesus. If any compliment is ever said of me, that's what I want to hear. Steve's just been with Jesus. Now, that doesn't excuse some of the dumb stuff that sometimes I mess up and do. That's not my plan, not my desire, but I know it happens. But at the same time, just think about that. Everybody who knows you says, man, you know, like we may not, we may not be the smartest. We may not be the prettiest. We may not be the richest. But they've been with Jesus. And that's what makes their life what it is. This week, one of my devotions from Oswald Chambers was one of my favorite verses. And I have a few of you probably noticed over the years. But this one's 1 Corinthians 15, 10. By the grace of God, I am what I am. I love that verse. Because I know that's true for me. I know who I was before Jesus Christ. I know what I was before Jesus Christ. And now to know who I am and what I am in Jesus Christ is absolutely a glory and a praise to God. As Chambers was writing in relation to this verse, he says this, we need to get in the habit of examining everything from God's perspective. Listen carefully. Those things that sound so humble to men actually might be inappropriate and disrespectful to God. 
For example, he says, oh, I should never claim to be sanctified or be a saint of God. When those who've here who've been any time here, who've been any time in the scripture knows that the word of God says, yes, you are a saint of God. And yes, you are sanctified. It is possible you don't always act that way. But based on the word of God, that is an absolute truth. That is the reality of all of us who are in Christ. But he says, we'll say, no, Lord. He said, this is what is meaning. No, Lord, it's impossible for you to save and sanctify me. <laughs> oh, me. Okay. One of the things that I've learned to do, and I, and I keep doing it, and I would love to tell you I get these prayers answered all the time. But I'll see celebrities or politicians who have a lot of following, as it were. And here's my prayer for them. Lord, let this Saul become a Paul. In other words, in their realm, where they are, whether it's in um, media or in, well, in any form of media, but politics or uh, entertainment, they have influences. And most of those, in so many ways, are really horrible. There's some good ones, but there's a lot of bad ones. And so when I see them like that, I pray, God, take that Saul and make that Saul your Paul in their realm, in their world. And think about that in your own environment, in your family or where you work or where you go to school. There's always those that kind of stand out as they're kind of the, the worst of the worst, so to speak. Well, that's what Saul was. On a religious level, he was recognized as being, man, he is pious. Look what he's doing. He's going out here and getting these people who followed Jesus Christ, the way as it was called, and dragging them back and putting them in prison, and some of them are being killed. And, and he's being applauded. But on the road to Damascus, Jesus... The resurrected Christ stops him dead in his tracks and says, guess what? <laughs> no longer Saul. Now you're going to be my Paul. You're going to be my apostle to the Gentiles. What if you're the apostle to one of our local schools? What if you're the apostle in your particular vocation, apostle for God, the one sent by God with a message of the kingdom, whatever that may be. All for the glory of God and the acknowledgement of Jesus Christ being Savior and being Lord. Is that not what we're talking about here in this time and day that we're living in? So how does that work? Well, I think we need to help each other. We need to encourage each other. We certainly need to pray for one another. Holy Spirit, work in each of us. You know exactly what you want to do. You know what the Father's will is. You know what Jesus Christ paid the price for. And we now celebrate that. We claim it. And we want to walk it out in every aspect. But especially based on the word today. In our families. As a testimony and a witness to what truth really is from your scripture, apply to our lives. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.